Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cosy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, now proudly in association with Scrum Magazine. Get yourself onto scrummagazine.com for all the latest Scottish rugby news um, and follow them on Twitter and Facebook as well. They also do a quarterly print magazine. Get yourself onto scrummagazine.com and subscribe. Now, onto the pod. Who was Richie Vernon's worst roommate? What did Tim Swinson and Carl Marks have in common? And is Pete Horn finally the answer at 12 for Scotland? Here we go. Hello and welcome back. How is everyone? You guys were off on a stag at the weekend. How are you feeling? Still struggling, mate. <laughs> Sunday was really low. Oh, God. Had some friends of my girlfriend round, and I was like the least sociable person <laughs> of all time. How much of the Scotland-Fiji game do you remember? Most, most of it. That was her fairly early doors. I was about to say first 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Rewatched now. So. Exactly, to refresh <laughs> my mind. Yeah. Like the professionals you <laughs> are. Um, thanks a lot for joining us, guys. Um, a great weekend of Scottish rugby. Uh, massive win against Fiji at the weekend. We're going to be getting into that. You are listening to us on iTunes or on Acast or honestly, I don't know. There's so many podcast out, apps out there that we you can get Spotify? us on. Are on Spotify? We're not on Spotify. Stop bringing it up. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're tr- I keep asking Spotify to put us on. They're like, no thanks. <laughs> Well, I assume that's what they're saying. They just won't respond to my requests. Do you think there's someone who just looks at it and he's like, nah, we're fine without (laughs) you. (laughs) Don't know. But you can get us everywhere but Spotify. (laughs) So um, enjoy that. Um, Chatting to us on Twitter. It's been a massive month. um, At Thistle Rugby Pod. um, On Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And the mailbag, um, which is thethistlerugby at gmail.com. It's interesting that we get less emails when Scotland do well 
than when Scotland do badly. I think it's really just like a sort of therapy pit. Yeah, yeah. People just like to throw their emotions in there. Mm. Oh, yeah. People like to complain. They do like to complain, which is good. Um, But um, loads and loads and loads to talk about, um, obviously ahead of the South Africa game. We've also had a great chat with um, Scotland and Glasgow legend Richie Vernon, um, which is really, really good. He was part of the team that beat South Africa in 2010, so we touched on that with him, so look forward to that. Um, but why don't we kick off with the news? Hog to Exeter, 500,000 a year, two-year deal starting after the World Cup. Matt, what do you think of it? I think it's a great deal for both parties. I think Hog going to Exeter is a really good move. It's He's got as much as he can out of Glasgow Warriors, I think. You know, I'd love to see Glasgow Warriors you know, challenging for the Champions Cup, but I think that's going to be a difficult ask, particularly in the near future. And although Exeter have struggled a bit in recent years, you know, they are a top, top team. Do you think he's under, under, being underpaid? I mean, what do you think? If he was like, screw my family, quality of league... Yeah. Because I thought if he'd gone to France, he was going to be topping out a million. A mil. I think yeah. he would be on a mil. That's a lot of cash. Do you think he's got in his contract somewhere? Like, uh, there is a bit of management there. He's saying, look, I want to be I want to be at peak condition in the World Cup. So you, I do have to play all the matches. Yeah, I, I, I was just surprised. Like, even for the premiership, I think, what, Lima Sopawanga was on, like, 700 and something. Obviously, Pieto's a mil. Like sure, I was so much better than actually both of those players. Yeah, exactly. That's it, I was just actually yeah. really, really surprised by the fee. So maybe that whether there's been some sort of agreement between Hawk, the SOU, and Exeter, it, that was just the one thing that mm. really surprised me. Yeah, it's interesting because I think there's an element of him I think not wanting to go to a big city. Like I, I get that, and I think Exeter suits him, but there's quite a lot of clubs that you could go to. But then yeah. I don't know. It, from his perspective, would you rather go to Exeter, who are constantly challenging and winning, or Wasps, who have chucked a lot of money at it but haven't actually won anything? Yeah, no, it's fair enough. I guess only a two-year deal. Yeah. So, and you got to remember, was he? He's still in like twenty-six. Yeah, twenty-six. Two-year deal, and then I reckon he comes back north for the twenty twenty-three World Cup. Really? I was going to say, do you think he's just going to do two years, try and challenge with Exeter, and then get the real payday? Maybe. But he could always do that at the real tail end of his career, though, couldn't he? Although he command less in the salary, but yeah. No, I think overall, I think it's a really I think great move for Scotland and his career. It's the perfect move. Yeah, yeah. maybe not for his bank manager. <laughs> his bank manager's doing okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> just one line. Like, bank manager's like, doing fine. I have hit the jackpot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So best of luck to Hoggy on that move down to the southwest. Um, second big bit of news and the Toonie plot twists. The Scotland team announcements just get more and more exciting. Gary Graham is back in the Scotland squad, having been in the England squad. Lads, what do you think? Absolutely love it. I think it's great. Chuck a bit of drama in there. I think it was uh, one of our Twitter followers, Dave Hutchinson, saying his wife has stopped watching EastEnders. Just looks at Toonies. Uh, squad announcements, <laughs> more drama and intrigue there. There is much more uh, plot twists in those than there is on EastEnders at the moment. <laughs> um, obviously, the big question is, is he Scottish? Is he English? Um, Scotland defence coach Matt Taylor was taking questions um, from our partner, um, Scrum Magazine, at the press conference on Monday, and here's what he had to say. The key thing for us is he, he's very, he feels very Scottish. I think I was lucky enough to play with his dad. I don't think you'll... You'll find a person who's more Scottish than his father, and uh, 
you know, he's been he's been brought up a lot supporting Scotland, so we're happy to have him. And uh, he's decided that he's going to be, you know, uh, trying to play for Scotland. So, Alan, do you have any issues with Gary Graham saying that Scotland are never going to be competing to be the best in the world, and he felt more English about six months ago? <sighs> um, I don't have a particularly strong view either way. If I'm if I'm honest. Get, like, off the, get off the fence, son. I, I know. Like we we're not we're not here for opinions. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're not here to be partial. I I do think impartial. part of it was you know he just he, he obviously feels a bit rejected by Scotland. It was a Daily Mail article. It was with his dad. I feel like in hindsight he's probably a bit embarrassed by his comments. Yes, and but it's not like he's just some like random punter we've like shipped in from. South Africa. He, yeah. he literally played for Gala and born in Sterling. So I don't know. I think just forget it and move on. Matt, any thoughts? Yeah, not much beyond that. I think it's get off the fence, mate. <laughs> well, I'm agreeing with you, which you eventually you gave an opinion. No, I think it's 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 a weird one, obviously, but I think at the time when he felt like he had maybe been betrayed by Scotland, had a bit of sort of pent up anger. You say those kind of things. And I think probably deep down, he probably would have wanted to play with Scotland the whole time. Yeah. So It's a funny yeah. old world supporting Scotland, though. Six months ago, I come to you and say you could have a Six Nations starting back row of Gary Graham, Sam, Sim- Sam Skinner, and Blade Thompson. And everybody's <laughs> looking at you going like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. It's, it's amazing. I can't wait for who's next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he hasn't been picked um, as part of the squad for South Africa, so we'll have to see if he gets any involvement with Scotland during the autumn. Do we cap him just to annoy England? <laughs> Not that I think it would annoy them, but... but I mean, personally, I, I don't think you should just cap someone just to get them on the books. But I also don't think in the grand scheme of things, Scotland really need him. Yeah. You know, it, I think his style of player is not something we're lacking. Mm. I think, you know, he'd be a nice option to have. If he was yeah. tied to Scotland and you can pick him, but if in the next year we, we don't cap him and then he does get capped for England, it's not the end of the world. I, I mean, not he's going to flip-flop between the two. He might. <laughs> what do you think of Eddie Jones coming out? It's pretty funny. <laughs> so what, saying that um, England provides, what, like a national service by paying for everyone else's players? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Eddie Jones being Eddie Jones, isn't it? I know. I think sometimes Scottish people can, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, people like to complain. And I, I get that Eddie Jones robs people up the wrong way, but it, he's clearly, like, taking the piss. Of course he is. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. I, I think it's nice to have a bit of personality I it was as well. I think he just relishes in that sort of per- that persona. He's like the Jose Mourinho of, like, of rugby now. Everyone sort of hangs on his words. He's these sort of, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. cantankerous old man. Yeah. About <laughs> <laughs> um, Gary Graham, we'll keep an eye on him, see if he gets his um, first Scotland cap in the next couple of weeks. Um, another big piece of news, and this is something that has been talked about for an awful long time, and Scotland really are quite far behind on this week. Uh, it's been announced that um, there is going to be a Scottish Players Union. Um, it's going to be chaired by Scotland and Glasgow's Tim Swinson. Um, it received unanimous support from all pro players in the Scottish game. So the Glasgow, the Edinburgh players, the Scotland players, Scotland women players, the Sevens. Nobody said no to the um, formation of this union. Um, so they're going to essentially be representing 
the rugby players in contract negotiations, etc., etc. What did you guys make of it? Firstly, I thought it was a really, really good thing. I think in terms of, especially when there's essentially a single employer. Yes. To play rugby in Scotland. I think it's super, super important to have that sort of union structure in place. I also think, clearly, some of the issues that have happened... I know they sort of mentioned the fact that Glasgow players hadn't been paid bonus payments and they had no formalised kind of process to go through to yeah. sort of challenge that. A, seems completely ridiculous, and B, I can't believe that wasn't, like, leaked. Mm. Like, the SU is leaky as. Yeah. I was surprised that none of the players went for that. Because yeah. you would think one of the best ways to get leverage on the SRU would be to, like, publicly embarrass yeah. them. Yeah. I'm really surprised that nobody did that. And it's happened before with the... England team quite a while ago had big disputes about payments to the point where they almost went on strike. Yeah, exactly. And that was mm. you know, open news. It's one thing. It's, it's going to be very interesting. I think the other case study that was sort of cited was obviously the John Hardy case. Yeah. Mm. And that he was sort of left with no real support around him up against the sort of the whole might of the SRU. And it's that sort of example where players are finding themselves that this union is going to come in handy, you would have thought. Well, they were saying he had no representation at some point in the process. Yeah, which, which for extremely serious charges which he was facing is very, you know, it's quite disheartening to hear in that case. It's also a bit naive. It's incredibly naive, yes. <laughs> but yes, I, I know. Maybe he didn't feel, he didn't know where to go for that. Exactly, exactly. Whereas this sort of union, you'll have someone who, who's the English guy? Damien Hopley. Damien Hopley. the PRA. Of, like all the English players, they know, you know, whether it's a drug issue or anything like that, they have someone that they can go to. And things like retirement as well, and helping people transition. I thought Tim Swinson came across really well. He was like, look, we want to do this because we don't think it's been good enough, and here's a few examples, but we want to work with the SOU. This isn't confrontational at all. Yeah. It just you know needs what? to be done. They've just, they're tired of hearing that the England lads are getting paid 25 grand a game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and the Scotland lads are on, what, five or six? Yeah. From like any sort of reports that are coming out. They're wanting 20, at minimum 20 bags a game. Such a cynic. Fair play. I am a cynic a little bit, but also I think that's... Cynic and the socialist over here loving a union. <laughs> Jesus. Get it done. Well, they're saying the All Blacks get a third of all... Uh, all Blacks players automatically get a third of all revenue. Do they? And that's been negotiated by their union. And that's they also so pay good. for like the care home of some like ex-All Blacks. Do they? No wonder so many of them stay in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have to do that. Don't that is an unbelievable payday. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so that was it. So, yes, unanimous support for the worker revolution. <laughs> Here's to the glorious revolution. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that beds in. Um, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to the first confrontation. Yeah. Union yeah. versus union. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, it is going to be seriously good. Um, right, that is news out of the way. Lots of big uh, meaty topics there. But why don't we look back at the weekend. Um, Scotland versus Fiji. Sold out Murrayfield. 54-17 at full time. 33 unanswered second half points from uh, Scotland. Matt, I will come to you. Uh, you said you remembered most of the game from the weekend. So what were your, what were your sort of top line thoughts? Um, I thought it was, a, in the end, a kind of pretty professional job. I think it was always going to be sticky points in the match. And the first half overall probably wasn't that great. But ultimately... Fiji got two quite lucky tries off a yeah. couple of Scottish... Well, you know, a quite lucky offload for the second try from Nakarawa and then an overthrow at a line-out. And it, it felt as if 
Scotland didn't panic and kind of thought, right, if we keep doing what we're doing, sort of um, one-up hits, keeping it tight for a bit, and then going wide, we've got enough. So it was pretty pleasing from that from that point. Yeah, I think that at halftime, I was sort of sitting there thinking, this feels a little bit Samoa-y from last year. Mm. And then it yeah. really felt that they came out, got their head screwed on, stuck out of the jumper. And ultimately, it was the set piece. Fiji were down to 13 men after a couple of yellows. Like they could not handle that sort of up organized, up-front um, pack performance from Scotland. Do you think it's our best performance against a Polynesian side that you can remember? I was trying to think back, even like in recent times, obviously Samoa and then Samoa again in the World Cup. We've never really yeah, properly... Yeah, we, we gave Tonga a bit of a dusting. Was that up at Pertodria? Yeah, Pertodria, one of the sort of like non-Murrayfield matches. But yeah, I know what you mean. I was, I was thinking the same, Dave, that it was going to be we score, it looks like we're comfortable, eight, ten points ahead. Fiji come back at us and it's, you know, really tight, quite nervy. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's a sign of the team improving. I don't know. Maybe it was just the, the one-off performance, but it was it was encouraging. I think it was probably the most mature and clinical display against a Tier 2 nation I've seen by Scotland. Yeah. Mm. I, I, think, I think you're right. And I think Laidlaw and Russell played a massive part I, in that. I was going to say that. I think Laidlaw just has... Like controls the mentality and the the tempo and and calms everyone down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, few talking points. Why don't we talk about him? Sam Skinner on debut, um, man of the match performance. Started in the second row, moved out to six. Hundred percent tackle completion rate. Bags of yards. What an amazing find he is. Do you think if it was his, if it wasn't his debut, he would have got man of the match? I think Jamie Ritchie was the actual man of the match. I yeah, Jamie, I agree. I, thought Jamie I agree, but I don't think there was a huge difference between them. I no. thought he did play really, really well. And can we also very quickly chat about the Man of the Match award? How good is that? Oh, the can of tenants. It's breaking emergency. It is the best thing I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. I love it. Tenants, if you are listening, we would love a replica. Yes. yes. Pod, please yeah. send us one. Reach out. We love it so much. <laughs> um, oh, please let that happen. But it'll be interesting to see how Skinner builds but I think, upon I think that. even the point that it is his debut adds to the man of the match performance because he hasn't played international rugby before. Yes. And he's pretty inexperienced overall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I really like the look of him. I think he's a really great option to have. Like, intelligent, physical player. Yeah, I thought him and Gilchrist both played really well and were really physical. Yeah. I thought, in general, the pack really fronted up well. Yeah. Brown, I thought, was pretty standout. Mm. Um, And, yeah, Jamie Ritchie, who... You know, chatted a little bit about him maybe struggling against sort of some of the bigger players, but he was really getting over the game line and s- stopping some pretty big Fijian yeah. boys. Stopping yeah. big Fijian boys, turning over ball, scored a try at the end. I, I thought he had an absolutely complete performance, and it's mm. that competition in the back row is really, really exciting to see. Hat-trick for Tommy Seymour, back to his best. Looked like he had that sort of spark again. He was really following yeah. that ball and just getting in the right place at the right time. You can even see how much the first try meant to him. Yeah. Like, really celebrated it. Because yeah. maybe he, he understands that he's due a big game. And, yeah, hopefully he just carries on that form because he's looking pretty tasty. So was Sean Maitland, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that back three, it just really settled. They, yeah. they work well together. I think for the, I, I just can't see that changing. The only one I'd put in the conversation is maybe Blair Kinghorn. But, yeah. you know, I'm not going to lose sleep I, over that. I don't think he's taking any of those positions at the moment. No. But also, if one of the wingers drops out, I'm not bought. Like, Blair yes. Kinghorn, yes. absolutely great. Yeah. Sl- slot in. 
yeah. Kinghorn, McGuigan. There's some really nice cover in that back three area at the moment, yeah. which is really good. And it finally happened. Finn and Adam on the park at the same time, combining for the final score of the, uh, of the afternoon. Pretty tasty little bit of sleight of hand from Hastings to put, hot, uh, to put Finn through. Returns yeah. the favour. I mean, it was... It's it a pop pass. It was... It, it was a pop pass, but he sort of gives it a bit of deception because he's looking at the back. Yeah. The thing is, everyone was going mental about Finn Russell's line. It wasn't actually that... He didn't do that much deception. Yeah. The Fiji player just... I don't know where. It was complete no man's land. He just knackered. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the... Like, it was an unbelievable try, and they looked pretty good together, but that was in the last 10 minutes against the Fiji team that were fooked and yeah. had given up the ghost. If Finn Russell runs that line at 78 minutes against South Africa on Saturday, yeah. he's going to get absolutely murdered by somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, it's quite exciting. Um, it's a bit it, is, scary. it is quite exciting it's a bit scary. to see it. Um, yeah, it's going to win us games. It is going to lose us lots <laughs> of games. I thought Finn Russell, though, had a pretty mature performance. Mm. And actually, you know, him and Laidlaw together just works so well. Yeah. And actually, they seem to have quite a good communication between yeah. them. You can see just like Finn Russell doesn't actually like even talk to Laidlaw. He just throws up his hand when he doesn't want it. And Laidlaw's just <laughs> like, cool, just passes it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good, you know, like that's how you want them to be operating. But I thought, apart from a few sort of classically sort of shitty kicks, Finn's passing and sort of general game management was yeah, really strong. Mm. So. Like, sure, they were down to 13 men, but he noticed that the second time they were going for the scrum, they didn't go for the pushover, found um, Maitland, sorry, found Seymour Seymour. wide on the wing with that great long pass. Mm. If if Cipriani had thrown that pass, people would be losing the goddamn minds. I kind of agree that it is a good pass, but, like, guys in Prem 1 are chucking that pass. Guys in Prem 1 (laughs) are chucking that pass. Listen to this guy. (laughs) I could chuck that pass. You can chuck that pass, could you? It's just a mispass. God, you're such an arrogant prick. <laughs> you're such a prick. Um, <laughs> moving on from that, my final talking point I had down, and it's something which we've been banging the drum for for a long time, the return, the glorious return of Josh Strice to the Scotland back row. And he looked really good. He offered exactly what we said he always would. Kale surprise. Made gain, some really good carries. Gain line success. Yes. I mean, it, it, he does what he does, you know? Yeah. And he's the sort of guy who I reckon with a tired Fiji side, that's just like him. He's just like, give me the ball. I'll yeah. take on these big lads. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, it was nice to see him back. Nice to see him on the bench again this week. Yeah, I think yeah, he does I, I, offer I, something. Yeah. yeah, I just think he's a guy you should have in the squad as, a, as an option of playing a different way, as we've talked about. So, yeah, hopefully he's given Townsend yeah. something to think about. You, you just, you probably do, you don't get the sort of work rate that you probably get from a Ryan Wilson or a Matt Ferguson in yes. terms of tackles, hitting that's, rocks and things like yeah, that. But yeah. you do get... That's the assumption. I'd, big, aggressive carries. I don't know if that's definitely It'd true. It'd be interesting to but see, that, like, I think, kilometers run. That's the game. preconception. Yeah. yeah, that's the preconception, I think, and maybe there is something to it. I'm prepared to use it as fact. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> what do you think we've been doing for two and a half yeah, exactly. years? Exactly. This, this podcast is not built on <laughs> facts, Matt. Get out of here. Um, anything else we want to talk about on Fiji? I still feel that what really crystallized my mind in this game is the the two positions. I basically think the whole team is either the whole team for almost the world, six, let's say the six nations is set apart from six and 12. I just think those are the two problem positions. That's interesting. For I was, I was going to talk about Pete Horn there actually. So 
his butcher for that try, which finally went over, was yes, it was world class butchery. Yeah, oh, but he he, he was very good. Though, he had a very good game. I agree. I thought he was very good. Um, Maybe he calms Finn Russell down a bit as a another playmaker outside him. Yeah, and I think Townsend quite likes having that second boot option. He quite likes having that just, second playmaker. Like, you know, I think Pete Horn is like going to give you a hundred percent every time, but I just think at that like step up, he's never had like a really class game against the tier one. Yes, agree. That's what I think at least. No, no, and I, I think, just don't and think and he's quite at that level. And I think him and Ryan Wilson are in the exact same bucket. Yeah. Where they've both had good games against tier two sides. They both had very good games at club, but they're both still waiting for that standout game against a tier one nation. Yeah. And um, I think even the same with Wilson in this game. He's like, he's the most infuriating player of all time because actually he was sort of like, did one penalty and then he did one nice offload. Then, then a forward pass. Then a forward pass. Then a great, then a great like line-out steal. Mm. And you're just like, mate, come on, stop this. <laughs> <laughs> For the pro Pete Horn oh. lobby, and this is courtesy of Mark Palmer, he, he writes, he has been given the nod and then done well in most of the big wins in the Townsend era. Australia, France, England, and Argentina away. All Pete Horn at 12. It, it, is it... It's an interesting point. I I don't think in any of those games, Pete Horn was the standout player. Mm. Probably not. So I I think maybe that's uh, fair enough. He's been involved in those performances, but I'm waiting for him to have a standout performance against an England or a South Africa. Well, hopefully we will see that um, at the weekend. But before we get into our South Africa preview, um, we've had the pleasure of chatting to Scotland and Glasgow Warriors uh, legend Richie Vernon. Um, and here he is. So delighted to be joined on the line by Richie Vernon, the first man in 137 years of Scottish rugby to start a test in both the forwards and the backs. Richie, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. What a welcome. Thanks, mate. <laughs> well, I just wanted to get my facts straight there. Um, so how's, how's life at London Scottish at the moment? Yeah, good. Good. Um, obviously, big move. Uh, it's probably the right time for me. Um, it's a bit different for me this year, so I'm still playing for London Scottish, and then um, sort of work in the city two days a week as well. So, um, it comes a time in every rugby player's career where they probably got to think for the future. So, that's me at the moment, still getting used to office life, which is a little bit different to what I'm used to. But um, I've not had HR on my case yet, so so far so good. Oh, that's a good start. And and how how's, have you found the season so far with London Scottish? Has, has it been much of a, an adjustment in terms of sort of the, you know, the the approach in the week, as you said, and and, and the overall um, the style of play and everything? It, it has, I think. Yeah, I think obviously um, there's some really talented players and teams down here in the in the championship, but it is it is back more to the kind of traditional English driving mall. You know, let's try and beat you up front. Um, sort of way and I know a lot of Scottish this year they've gone through a bit of a change I, I think over half of our squad were new this season so it's taken a, it's taken a bit of time to bed in and I think we're we're coming on as a squad as the season goes on we've got a lot of young talented players so um, it's it's good I'm probably enjoying my, my role these days of more being the, the old experienced head um, although I say that we've got the, the only guy that's older than me is 40 years old so there's a bit of a gap between me and him but um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying being able to add a bit of value, I think, off the field um, and whatever the body will allow me to do on the field. That's brilliant. And 
And what are the aims for Scottish this season? Is it sort of consolidating consolidating position in the league or, or looking to push up towards the top? I think we'd, we'd like to get into that top six. I mean, even even top four if we can. We'll need to you know improve our performances and get some real consistency towards the end of the season. But we've got um, we've got kind of decent running after the Championship Cup is over in sort of the next six weeks. So um, yeah, and I think for this young squad, if we if we keep that squad together for for next year, you know, top six would be top six, top four. I mean, top four would be brilliant. Top six would be a great position to kind of build on for for the future. That's great. Uh, so obviously you spent the, the majority of your career at, uh, up at Glasgow Warriors. Um, what have you made of them this year? I, I presume you're still keeping in touch with the lads and, uh, and watching them when you can. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really excited about the way they kind of started the season this year. From speaking to the guys, I know in pre-season, um, Dave Rennie last year obviously came over but, but missed pre-season. So I think he didn't really get his chance to really put his mark on that team and make it his. And from this season, you know, not a lot's changed in terms of the way they play from, from Gregor to Dave. It's still kind of an expansive, fast style of rugby. But this year, I think he was big. And from what I heard from pre-season, the boys were really put through their paces. More from a contact, physicality element. That's what he thought they were missing. Um, just that real powerful forward pack and that edge. And from some of the games that I've seen this year, um, I think I think there's been a big sort of step up from that perspective. Um and that just makes life so much easier for everyone around the field. The chance for the Glasgow backs to get on top. And uh, we've seen that in, in some of the performances. And obviously flying high at the top of their division so far and, and looking good. You know, I'm really, I'm really positive about what hopefully they can accomplish this year. No, absolutely. I think even that Saracens game, whilst it was a loss, was a- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. showed kind of that progression that they've had under Dave Rennie. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely agree. If you look at the breakdown in that game, I mean, people were just absolutely flying into each other. It was a really physical, well-contested game. And with, with games like that against some of the best teams in Europe, sometimes it comes down to a few small things and, you know, the odd bounce of a ball, a few referee decisions have gone another way. That, that could have quite easily been a win. So uh, for me, even though the result wasn't quite there, that's definitely a big, a big step forward, and being able to compete with teams like that consistently—that's what, that's what Dave Rennie will want. And um, I've certainly seen the signs are, are there for them to push on. No, definitely. Uh, I guess in looking at your career at the Glasgow Warriors, was um, was the Pro Four, Pro Twelve win your highlight? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That was something. Um, obviously, <laughs> it was it was an interesting. I think I had eight years. Uh, 
sorry, nine years there by the end. And, you know, when I came in, we were pretty inconsistent. Um, we had a few years down the bottom of the league. And, you know, to be able to have left the club um, and have the sort of the last sort of four or five years of where we were building up slowly to get close to winning that title and then, you know, finally doing that in 2015, um, that was a huge achievement. And when Gregor Townsend came in, you know, that was something that he reminded us of every day was... Our aim is to be the first team ever to win the to win the league, first Scottish team to win the league, and um, that was kind of our mantra. So to be able to go and get that level of improvement and then go and do it, it was uh, it, it was a great achievement and really kind of satisfying. I think for for a lot of the guys that have been there for a while. No, absolutely. And how was uh, the night out in Belfast afterwards? Oh, it was a it's a real disappointment. I wish I had better stories to tell. <laughs> But we we were supposed to um, we we're supposed to fly back and we had a charter flight to fly back. We got to the airport and then it got cancelled. So we went back we went back to the hotel and then no one was open. So yeah, we sat in the bar and had drinks until late. But um, nowhere near as enjoyable. We made up for it in the next few days. Um, but yeah, the night out wasn't as good as it could have been. Let's just say that. In in that final, you you obviously played thirteen. How, um, can you just tell us a bit about that transition that you made from sort of back row into the centres? Yeah, sure. I mean, I it was when I came back my second spell at, at Glasgow. I think I'd been there for a few months and had a few had a few sort of niggling injuries. I hadn't played as much rugby as I'd liked, um, and got called into a meeting one day with Scott Johnson, um, who was a Scotland coach at the time, and uh, Gregor Townsend and. Um, sat down with them and they just said do you know what looking forward to the next World Cup we've got some great strength and depth in, in the back row we've got some really good centres but we probably don't have the same strength and depth there so if you want to make that World Cup squad we think you'd be, you'd be probably better served moving to the centre so um, when you've played back row for um, however many years of your life it, that comes as a bit of a shock I thought it might have been a bit of a piss take originally but um, <laughs> apparently, apparently it wasn't and they actually wanted me to do it. So, yeah, I said, you know what, let's let's give this a go. I'll give it a go for six months. Um, you know, they're giving me all the tools, all the support for me to be able to make this work. If it doesn't, go back to back row. And, you know, I'll, I'll never regret not giving it a chance. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was a tough transition. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the challenge. And it ended up, you know, I managed to, with a bit of luck, um, a few unfortunate injuries to other guys you know I managed to sneak into that World Cup squad so that was uh, that was kind of a, a great feeling and do you think your sort of background in sevens helped with that transition at all definitely I think I was, I was probably more used to <laughs> my, partly my background in sevens and partly um, my yeah my I used to hang out on the wings quite a lot as a back <laughs> row and get in trouble a lot for that so that helped too um, but yeah I I, um, I definitely think dealing with space being able to defend against guys that are really fast, good footwork in, in that sort of space. Um, it certainly held me in good stead. Um, and I had at least one, I probably had a season and a half on the seven circuit. Um, really enjoyed being a part of that. I think it's, it's brilliant for your skills in general, the sevens, and it certainly, I think that gave me more confidence. It's scary. If you've played forward your whole life, it's pretty scary that first um, that first scrum or that first line out where it feels like you're standing in a huge amount of space um, with some pretty talented runners in front of you. But I think that certainly made a difference from a confidence perspective. Yeah, absolutely incredible transition. Uh, Obviously, Scotland have got South Africa coming up at the weekend. Um, you, you played in that victory over South Africa in 2010. What were your sort of main memories from, from that day? Uh, my, my first main memory is, is one that I probably shouldn't have been playing. I played, um, 
it was my first start for New Zealand the week before and um, I remember the coach said after the game he said oh, I'm going to stick with the same guys this is my best team um, and then he stuck with the exact same team apart from me I, I managed to get dropped out of that one uh, <laughs> <laughs> which happens from time to time but then he said um, it was either me or Jim Hamilton due to be on the bench and he said it was dependent on the weather conditions if it was due to be dry I'd be on the bench if it was wet Big Jim would be on the bench um, and the weather forecasts were good so I was in the, I was basically in the team when we got to the game it was torrential rain so I remember thinking oh god I'm a little bit lucky to be here to be honest um, and yeah 20, 20 minutes into the game um, Scott McLeod went down with an injury so I ended up playing 60 minutes and we um, we just got on top of them early on got a lot of momentum um, defended really well and it was a it was a bit of a wet day so they just couldn't get going at all we managed to neutralize their forward pack um, and the atmosphere at Murrayfield was was incredible and in the end we, we managed to kind of take it home but yeah it was it was um, certainly a brilliant brilliant result to be to be part of was, was that the same match where you sort of made this heroic 50 meter break um, only to get taken out in the end by was it was it back his boat uh, well yeah Backy's butter was was part of it. Yeah, <laughs> he he was kind of the second hit. I actually got smashed by Zane Kirshner, Zane Kirshner, which is more embarrassing to be honest. A fifteen smashing a back row, um, but yeah, the, I think the ball had dropped loose behind one of the forwards, um, and I I picked it up, and it just seemed to just open up in front of me. Ran through, was too busy looking around for support, and the next thing I know, I got absolutely blindsided by Zane Kirshner and then smashed by Backy's butter, um, and yeah. And it, that definitely hurt, but um, <laughs> it was worth it to get that result in the end. Absolutely brutal. Um, eight years on, uh, Gregor Townsend's named his team this morning. What, what do you think of Scotland's chances at the weekend? I think I think they've got a good chance. Um, certainly, it's going to be a really tough battle. That South African team and the way they've played in the Rugby Championship, um, they're, they're kind of getting better and better. And um, no, Razi Erasmus, you know, he's really well versed in the way that Scotland will play because he's had a lot of experiences coaching against Gregor in the past um, he's a he's a really good coach and he will he will have them very well prepared to try and neutralize Scotland's threats um, but yeah I, I feel I feel really good if the, the big thing with Scotland is always if if we can match the physicality if we neutralize that forward pack and if we could boss that breakdown we've got a fantastic chance because we've got the attacking threats to be able to break any team open but that's certainly the key battleground as it is in a lot of test match and we need to be able to front up to that to that big strong South African pack Yeah definitely and what is your prediction for the weekend do you think do you think Scotland can, can get another win against South Africa? I think they'll sneak it I, I think they'll sneak it I think it'll be I think Love it'll that. be tight um, I think maybe sort of a 26 26-23 something like that I think it'll be a tight game but I think we've I think we've just got enough in the tank from what I saw last week as well um, that was kind of a real improvement I, I think I think we'll we'll take it home and it'll be a, a huge result a lot of momentum to take into to next week certainly and then beyond Liking the confidence a lot um, maybe just to finish up a question we, we tend to ask guests um, from your from your playing days who who was your worst roommate that you ever had the pleasure of spending um, some hotel room nights with? <laughs> my uh, my worst roommate would have to be it has to be John Welsh. He's a bit of a snorer for a start. <laughs> um, he's a funny guy, but he he talks a lot. He talks a hell of a lot. It's quite hard to get him to stop. Um, it's entertaining for a bit, and then it probably gets a little bit too much. But um, yeah, big 
Big John, luckily enough, been a back road really after actually room with them. I managed to get some good roommates in, in the uh, in the old days. So um, yeah, I'd t- have to say it's Big John Welsh. Good stuff. Uh, well, mate, thanks so much for talking to us again, and uh, good luck with everything in Scottish and, and in the city as well. No worries. Thanks for having me, gents. You kind of lost your way a little bit in that last question, didn't you, Matt? Yeah, I thought I was doing quite well there. I thought I'd finish it off and a you know, good sign-off, and I, yeah, I fucked it up. It's okay. I fucked it up as badly as Pete Horn fucked up that too in one of the weekend. Wow, and that's bad. Ooh, yeah, exactly. Fair. Who else internationally, from any international team in the professional era, has played in the backs and the forwards? Sam Burgess? <sighs> Sam Burgess at club. Possibly. Did he ever play for England in the back row? I'm not sure if he did. I don't know play. if he was started. Yeah, That's he might thing. have might, I think people might have gone in between, but to start is... Um, who was the Italian lad? The, oh, Bergamasco. Um, Bergamasco. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bergamasco. Bergamasco, who That's played at night. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing. At least Vernon's went a little yeah, bit exactly. better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, an unbelievable achievement to go from it's back row to outside centre. And not at sort of that earliest stage of the career. He's not like no. a 20-year-old. He's been playing for quite a while. And my, my biggest, you know, blow-away moment, we find out where Scott Johnson brings the value. That's his value. That's his value. That's true. He called it. Mate, give him the quarter of a mil a year. Fuck hog. Get rid of him. Let's get more Scott Johnson. <laughs> more Scott Johnson for our money. Right, um, okay, so let's get into the South Africa preview for the weekend, 5.30 at Murrayfield on Saturday night. Um, Our partner, um, Scrum Magazine, were down at the press conference today at the team announcement, um, and here's what Gregor Townsend had to say about how you beat South Africa. To beat one of the top teams in the world, you need an 80-minute performance. You need to be at your best at the beginning um, and at the same level, uh, playing at the same speed at the end of the game, especially especially against a team like South Africa who can wear you down, who've got huge strengths around the set piece, their physicality, their big ball carriers, uh, so we're going to make sure they are tired as we go into the last 20 minutes. So that's what Gregor has to say. Um, Alan, can Scotland beat South Africa on Saturday? Well, I mean, there's kind of a few hints coming out that South Africa aren't going to put out their full team. It does seem... Well, Faf de Klerk's been given back to Sale, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Is any, any other people? Etzebeth's coming back from injury. They haven't made it clear whether he's going to make it or not. But clearly, if they're not playing Faf, they they're protect, they are looking at resting players. That just seems bizarre, though. Like, maybe if they did that a while ago. But the thing is, I think they've had rugby championship. They've clearly gone England, France, Scotland, Wales. And they, uh, maybe they've seen... If there is one game where they're going to do a little bit yeah. of resting, maybe Scotland's the one. We'll wait and see. Maybe it's just Faf de Klerk. They just thought needs a bit of a break, mm. seeing as he's been jumping between the rugby championship and sale. Yeah, that's a good point. For the last, like, two months. But I, I'm relatively confident, yeah. if I'm honest. I, I don't think that South Africa are, are a team that will particularly frighten this Scottish team. No, I think, I think you're right. And I think... Um you know, I think South Africa have got better as they've moved away from a really forward-orientated game. But ironically, that probably is something that Scotland would prefer to play against. You know, whereas if they're playing, if they're playing just a pure ten-man rugby, then they might get overpowered. Looking mm. at the difference yeah. in the packs. But 
I just think that South Africa in the last like year or so have got better in one match and then looked pretty average in the next and sort of yeah. you know peaks and troughs. So you know they're, they're not sort of on this like streak. I also think got to remember Scotland's home record. It, it was like very impressive. Last ten games, one nine, only lost to New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, which is it's a formidable. fortress BT sold out BT Murrayfield. Exactly. I, and I think for those players, you know, they've all been a part of that for the last two years. There's there's a mentality where, you know, they step up at Murrayfield. Mm. And I don't think it's, you know, back in like even that 2010 victory, it was checking the score, 21 points, do the maths. That divides exactly by three. Oh, yeah. It was six Dan Parks penalties and a Dan Parks conversion. Um, dropkick. What a legend Dan so, Park is. But those are like the sort of one-off matches, whereas now I think it's more they do expect to win those games and can do it a bit more consistently. Absolutely. And um, this is the team that is going to be coming up uh, on Saturday, and then we can talk about some fairly contentious um, choices. Front row, Gordy Reid, Stuart McAnally, Willem Nell. Second row, Ben Toulis and Johnny Gray. And in the back row, uh, new boy Sam Skinner, um, Hamish Watson and Ryan Wilson. Backline, Greg Laidlaw, Finn Russell, centres, Pete Horn and Hugh Jones, and then the back three, unchanged, Sean Maitland, Stuart Hogg, and Tommy Seymour. I think we can probably safely start at shirt number one and say, why is Gordy Reid back? I don't think anyone saw it. I didn't even, I forgot when he was in the squad. Well, that's the thing. We ran a competition on Twitter to get a shout out from Alan if you guessed the Scotland team. <laughs> and I don't, there's absolutely no way anyone was putting Gordy Reid starting at Loosehead. No. It, it's, is it a step backwards? What do you think, Alan? I guess I'm also just kind of surprised. I mean, so firstly, Gordy Reid hasn't played since the 20th of October, yeah. where he played for London Irish against Doncaster. The big one. So he he's he's literally coming in with a four week break of no competitive rugby, a year and a half where he hasn't played anything above championship. Sorry, about three months where he hasn't played anything yep. about championship rugby, and he's coming in to start against a pretty monstrous pack. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I think Kitsoff plays one. Kitsoff. Um, yeah, it'll be the other one then. Malherbe. Yeah, Malherbe. Um, we, it, I, I get the fact that he's a strong scrummager, but that feels like a real step up. <laughs> I guess, is it just a comment on the fact that they maybe just... Like Alan Dale's a very, pretty svelte prop. He's not a big, heavy guy. Have they just gone purely for weight? Yeah, I was thinking about that. But th- there's an argument to make that you don't go just for bulk against South Africa and you try and play around them rather than through them. But yeah. But then you look at the bench and you do have Dell and Bergen, who are probably yeah. slightly more mobile props than Reed and, and Nell. Yeah. So you kind of look at that and think, all right, hold them out when the game is going to be tighter for the first 50, 45 minutes. Then you bring on the fitter guys. So may- maybe that's the the, strat- the tactic he's, he's approaching it with. So we will see how Gordy goes. Into the second rows, after a pretty solid performance last week, Gilchrist um, drops out of the squad. To this back in, starting with Johnny Gray, naturally um, in the number five shirt. Is that Scotland's best second row? I, I honestly can't believe Gilchrist isn't starting. I, in the in la- game last week, I thought he played really well. I thought he's played well in all the big Edinburgh games this year. Yeah. And even looking back to last Open Internationals, you know, when he came on against New Zealand, yeah. I thought he was a real standout. And I'm just, I'm not sure what BBT's done. There's an argument that 
BBT is a better line-out operator yeah. in terms of yep. getting up in the air and sort of like understanding the line-out, competing on opposition ball, that kind of thing, and securing their own. Yeah. So that's the only reason that I can think that he might be put in for that reason. I also think as well that the selections have all been a, a bit bizarre throughout this series, and I think that Townsend is still approaching it with a bit of an experimental... Yeah. Um, side of things like let's try out some different combinations. It's not the end of the world if we lose. No, I think I think you're right. I think maybe you and me were both of the the mindset kind of at the start of this that we should be playing our best team yeah. Yeah. in basically every game. But and I agree. I think he has he is looking not obviously massive change, but looking to test out. I mean, I don't think if this was quarterfinals of a World Cup or a Six Nations game, Sam Skinner would be starting at six. No way. No way. No yeah. way. Well, so he, he might in a year's time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, well, you're taking us very naturally onto the back yeah. row there, Alan. <laughs> That's nice, very mate. good. Well so Skinner at six, Watson at seven, Ryan Wilson at eight. I mean, you, who? I don't know who was tweeting it earlier, but Sam Skinner's not played six in a game for Exeter in at least a year. I think yeah, he did that, about that 18 months ago. BBC Sport only went back to November. <laughs> I mean, that, but that's fine. He's not played number six in a competitive a premiership game for a year. Yeah, it looks like he might have kind of come off the bench to play in the back row. Okay. But he has not started a game at six for Exeter in the last year. But as we were saying at the sort of top, he looks like a very sort of canny operator, smart player. He's big, he's physical, gets around well. I think it's, it's a decent selection at six. But what does, it, what does it say to Jamie Ritchie, who's got a near man-of-the-match performance at, on the flank? He's 10 kilos too light. Possibly. Is that yeah? Uh, I, I, I Possibly. think so. This is going to be a monstrous South Africa pack. I think they, or once again, he's a just size argument. said, like, look, I think you've done really well. We want to give someone else a shot. Yeah. I think he's just testing out options. Like, and I think because, you know, we talk about World Cup squad and you want a second row that can also play six, like Tim Swinson did at the last World Cup. Yeah. So Richie could potentially do that as well, but Richie's probably less of a second row than Skinner. No, I think you're, I think the selection piece is absolutely right because I think if you, your argument is size, Strauss at eight, Wilson at six. Yeah, yeah that's true, yeah. yeah ex- exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's... It's interesting. I, as I said, I, I find it odd that you would start a guy at six when he's not started a premiership game for Exeter and he's up against Vermeulen and Khaleesi on the other side. It seems like a real... I mean, and maybe Sam Skinner is a, a good enough player to rise to the occasion. Mm. Um, but it'll be, inter- it'll be interesting to see. Hamish Watson will do what Hamish Watson does and presumably Ryan Wilson will do whatever coaches like to see from him. Link play. Link play. And this, the stuff that no one else sees. Yeah. The real... <laughs> Such a cop-out. I hate r- it when people say that. The real dirty work. <laughs> I'm keen to see Hamish Watson just, like, take it into, like, extra Beth. That'll yeah, be a real yeah. great yeah. moment. Maybe, like... Both really upright. You know, we've done one backline move. Maybe, like, Hugh Jones has hit it up. Hamish Watson's coming round the gate. And just like hit, hits it and just runs into Vermeulen and hopefully just like throws his forearm into him that. and probably gets red card. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, nothing really to talk about. Nine and ten, Laidlaw Russell. That is our best halfback partnerships on yeah. offer. Um, centers. Pete Horn, as we touched on earlier, has been 
preferred at 12. And is Dunbar on the bench? Dunbar's not on the bench. And there was nothing about him in the press release sent out by the SOU to suggest he was injured or anything like that. He's just not involved. There, there's always probably the classic argument with South Africa that you want to have a strong centre to stop someone like Dale Landy, yeah. who's just going to be hitting yeah. real hard lines through the channels. About him. He's um, so good. He was very good against England. And that so is one of Pete Horn. Pete Horn, he is good in defence, but that would be his probably weakest bit of his game. Yeah. Um, and so I thought they might bring in Dunbar just to sort of shore that up a little bit. Well, it's, it's kind of that thing. I thought that Scotland's best centre partnership is Dunbar at 12 and Jones at 13. So I thought we would be picking that, you know, continuity centre partnership because I think getting more miles in the tank for them as a partnership yeah. is a good thing. I do think over the last few games, though, Dunbar has offered fairly little in attack. I think that's the point. In defence and... He's great. Like he's one Apart of the from the Rad Rider. Apart from Rad Rider. <laughs> ran yeah. around him. And he, I mean, he can't defend a 13. He's just too slow, I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I increasingly get the sense that Townsend thinks that twel- um, Pete Horn is his, is his first choice 12. And you play either Dunbar or Jones outside him. Probably Jones. I think if you're looking, it's distribution as well. You can give it to Pete Horn. He's got a great pass on both hands. Boot, left boot. And then to try and release Maitland, Hogg, or Seymour and uh, Jones in those outside channels, that's probably what they're looking to do. Yeah, I think that's the idea. And that, that and idea is a good sense. But then I kind of get it if Hogg's not playing, but Hogg can come in and be that almost like midfield distributor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember against the New Zealand game, there was a lot of times where the ball was going basically Greek, Finn, and if they watched with, Hogg was coming into the line as that yeah. almost like sure. second receiver. Yeah. So if you have Hogg, it feels like there's a bigger necessity to have a defend a stronger defender in the midfield than someone like Horn, whose strengths are his distribution. Yeah. I mean that would be my preference. But yeah, yeah, trust Tooney. <laughs> well, exactly. in Tooney we trust. He's let nine nine home victories. Yeah, out of ten, are they all under him? Um, well, I think uh, no, that started under Vern. Mm. Must be under Vern, but still, um, yeah. the bench. I think last Autumn Internationals, we were just our, we had a decent starting 15. We didn't have an awful lot off the bench, and it was a big concern. Bench, Fraser Brown, Simon Bergen, Jamie Ritchie, um, Alan Dell, Josh Strauss, Ali Price, Adam Hastings, and Chris Harris. Forwards-wise, those are guys that all offer something in their position. They've started for Scotland before and should put in a good showing. That's quite encouraging that at 60 minutes we can turn to a bench like that. Yeah, yeah it's really, really strong. Um, and the fact that Gilchrist isn't even in the 23 whatsoever. Like, is is absolutely incredible, really. Um, what do you make of Ali Price being preferred uh, to George Horn on the bench? I mean, they both offer a lot as an impact player. I know we sort of men- I mentioned that I would have preferred Horn, but I, I bringing being able to bring Price off the bench mm. is a really good weapon to have. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm absolutely fine with it. And Chris Harris on the bench after his cameo against Fiji. I thought he probably had his best game so far for Scotland when he came on against yeah. Fiji. Like it's an extremely low bar you're setting well, for him. I mean, he's never been awful. He's just never like done that much. I don't know why in that Wales game where literally half the team was atrocious, Chris Harris seems to have been singled out as this like failure. Because <laughs> like, we've done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we are I think we uh, were the lightning rod for that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It's um, but no, like he looked pretty good when he came on. So and he covers more positions than Dunbar. Yeah, exactly. Which is a is pretty good asset to have. I was gonna say, I, I, I've kind of now come to the point with Fraser Bowen, Stuart McAnally, where I actually just don't care who starts. Yeah, just do fifty thirty, and it, it really. Just doesn't matter. Such a high quality problem to have. Yeah. Oh, get, get Brown on wherever you can. If he has to play six, then he plays six. I mean, I can't wait. I'm uh, I'm going along. It's my first uh, first game since the the Six Nations. It's they're switching the lights off. Of that. Like they did against um, New Zealand. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, what do you think, Matt? Predictions wise, give it to me. Come on, take I th- Richie I think Vernon's it'll be close. I think it'll be close. I just think. South Africa will have a bit too much. I think South Africa will win by five. Fair play, Alan. I'm trying to find the weather. I can't. I can't decide if Scotland. I think Scotland prefer it to be dry. I think they want it to be dry. I think if it becomes a slugfest, they lose up yeah. front. So I think if it's yeah, if it's wet, it's looking dry on Saturday. South Africa. If it's dry, good for. Uh, it's looking dry then. So I like our. I like our total points plus score. Yeah. So I'm going to go with. 45 total points, 25-20 to Scotland. Love that. Um, I, yeah, think I, can, I could see that. Yeah. Actually. That's a good little... <laughs> like what you dug, is that Alan's sure thing? That is my <laughs> sure thing of the week. <laughs> Bringing back the betting feature. <laughs> yeah, we need, um, we'll get that back next week. I'm with you. I, I, I don't know. I've Have you ever predicted a Scotland loss? No, never. <laughs> um, you always go, yeah, I agree. We can do it. I think we can do it. I think this is a um, this is us stepping up and being like we're in the mix of the World Cup, lads. Here we go. <laughs> that would be great. I, I, we can beat anybody. We've beaten England. We've beaten France. We've beaten Australia a couple times. Beaten Argentina. We ran New Zealand very very close. If we reach that top level performance, which we know we can, why the hell shouldn't we beat South Africa? I agree. Can't argue with that. Lights out in Murrayfields. Here we go. Drop Mike. I think we're done. I think we're done. Um, So come back uh, next week to find out how much we won by. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. See ya. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.